you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Yeah, I think it's a good time for us to have a heart-to-heart. What are you drinking? (laughs) If you're trying to butter me up, it might take a nice steak sandwich, too. So? Shot of whiskey and a good old Canadian lager. Think they have it? More likely to have Batarian shard wine. At my parents' place in Vancouver, (laughs) drank more than a few beers on their balcony looking over English Bay. Yeah. Beautiful view. You know what, though? I feel good about our chances. Yeah? Yeah. Lets me sleep better at night. You're not sleeping, Caden? Maybe a little restless. Look, we didn't come here to talk about work. Here's to that. Let me tell you something that I was thinking about. Okay. I'm not the kind of guy who's the life of the party, who has a lot of friends. Really? No, it's true. I mean, some people even find my... Uh, integrity annoying. Really? No, seriously, I've... <laughs> okay, fine. Well, now you're messing with me. Okay, look. I just want you to know that I consider you a friend. Hello and welcome to Squad Goals, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast, where we're discussing our experiences playing through the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. My name is Nick Zelenkevich, and I'm joined by Chip Locke. Howdy, Space Cowboys. And Corey Kurabara Treadway. Greetings from space. And this is episode number 58. And we are hot in the middle of a series of missions on Rannoch where a lot of stuff is happening. And before we proceed into the last mission here, uh, where some major things happen, uh, let's kind of step back a minute, because uh, there's a few things on the Citadel I want to go back to that we kind of missed earlier. And then there's also some interactions with the crew on the Normandy between the missions, in particular between the mission where you recover Admiral Chorus, and then also after the mission where you uh, go through the Geth server. Uh, there's a few, a few interactions. One of them is really, really strange. Um, but yeah, let's get into that. So if we can, uh, going back to the, the, actually, I guess on the Normandy here for a moment, uh, cause after it was last time, actually like two episodes ago now that we go and we meet up with, uh, the, the, the Quarians and we do the mission with the Quarian dreadnought. And then Tally winds up joining us on the Normandy mm-hmm. and she takes up Rex's spot in the, in the little war room there. Mm-hmm. And she's. She's not officially a crew member yet, uh, because we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a bit here as far as whether she becomes one or not. Although you can put her on missions now, like so, you kind of she is kind of a crew member, but she's still in that war room position where she's kind of you know half on the Normandy, half not. And and to be fair, you know she kind of has one foot in the Quarian world where you know she's still an admiral. Um, you know she's on the admiralty board, and you know she talks a little bit about the stress from that. Um, but also at the same time, like she's back on the Normandy. So like she's interacting with other people, you know, she, she has a, you know, a bit of a, uh, you know, back and forth with Garrus, um, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's good to have her there, but she's not fully there, um, 
you know, how, how did you guys feel getting Tally kind of back in in the in Shepard's orbit, as it were? Um. Okay. Uh. I. I. I mean, it's always good to see Tally to have her back. One thing I don't know is if when you do recover her, whether she actually will go with you on like side missions or whether it's only the Rannoch like missions. I don't know if I've ever tried to take her on other stuff. Um, I think I did have her go on side okay. missions, but I could I could I be misremembering. I don't remember. Um, it would it's nice if she does, but yeah, I mean, it's always it's always good to to have Tally back. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember. I think I just basically I didn't do all the missions on here yet. I just basically picked up Tally and was like, all right, we're going on an adventure. So I'm pretty yeah, sure you can. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was getting to the point too at my playthrough where. I didn't know at what point I was going to do something in Rannoch where I was going to suddenly lose access to all the other stuff. So I was like, you know what? This is where I'm going to kind of like hunker down and do a lot of the side quests and everything. And so it's like I, I did the Dreadnought mission and I got Tally and I was like, okay, we'll see you Corians later, even though you're like in the middle of a heated battle with the Geth that needs to be addressed immediately. Like I just left Korra sitting on that one planet for I don't know how many missions. <laughs> like, do that, yeah. No wonder why the rest of his crew died because, you know, that was that was me just kind of taking my sweet time getting over there. You get to Chorus, he's got a long beard through his suit. It's like right, it's been several yeah. ages. You finally come for me. Uh, that's a funny part about, about, about games like this where you're just like, oh, side mission. Oh, not the main story. Oh, shit, stuff's happening. Uh-oh. Well, we'll ignore that for now. But back to Tally, I really always like just... As soon as I get pick up Tally, she's basically in my party until we until I finish the game. I don't really switch her out unless I actually have to for right. story reasons. Uh, she's a strong party member. And especially if you still have her at this point. I mean, she's one of the OGs, so... You know, she she's she's earned her spot as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. For sure. So a few little notes here. Um but yeah, I guess uh Garrus does talk to Tally. Uh he, he fills her in on about the fact that Rex was on board previously. Um and Garrus ends the conversation with Shepard by saying, Believe it or not, this gun still needs calibrating. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's Garrus, man. Garrus and his euphemisms for stuff, you know. Always calibrating. I don't think it's a euphemism. I think he really just no, likes the. <laughs> yeah, I think he really just enjoys playing with that gun. Uh huh. He he just knows that's an easy way to get out of conversations. That that's just his go to. <laughs> Got to calibrate. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's supposed to be like it's just it's just his de stressor. It's like ah, sh- shit's going down. World's burning. Must calibrate just to feel better. Right. Got to calibrate. Yeah, for sure. Well, there is also, actually, let me jump ahead for a minute here, because then then uh, li- a little bit later on, Garrus does have an interaction um, with, I believe it's, uh, is, it, is it Legion on board? Yeah. W- w- yeah. Oh, yeah. Where they're, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so a little bit later on, I'm going to jump ahead here. He does have an interaction with Legion on board, um, where they're talking about the precision of the gun. And Legion's like, Garrus, I looked at what you're doing, all the calibrations you're doing, and I can get like another like 0.2% out of this gun here. And Garrus is like, really? That's all you can do? Get it as another 0.2%? And Legion's like, yeah, like, do this. And then right. Garrus is like, okay. And then he like fusses with a little bit. He's like, he gets it from like, because uh, was it what, 0.32% precision or something? He gets it up to point. Legion's like, I can get it to 0.34. Garrus gets it up to 0.43. And Legion's like, wait, how did you do that? Yeah. And he's like, you know, let me tell you a little secret always hold something back for when you need it. 
And Legion's like, well, why would you be holding something back? What kind of emergency would you be thinking of? And he's like, I don't know, maybe like some kind of like Senian AI looking over my shoulder at my calibration. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard that conversation. It's it's, You have like a really brief window because you don't have Legion for long on the ship. Oh, that's fair. Ooh, that's true. Yeah. I guess spoilers for the end of the episode, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we're like, going to get to. Yeah. yeah, which it really bums me out. Like, I'm sad that you don't get Legion back full time. I, I really wanted, like, more time with him than either this yeah. game or the last one I think tries I to blitzed give you. through that part, so I don't think I ever talked to Legion very much. I don't know. Like, that is the biggest shame about Legion, because we talked about this in Mass Effect 2, even, where like you get him so late in the story right. that you've like done pretty much everything anyway at this point that you you don't have him for very long and then here like yeah you get him and then you know you know spoilers will just say you know he doesn't survive what happens on Rannoch. well well yeah well yeah i guess yeah he might but not in a way that he he's going to be on your crew like in in no That's sense true. like true. after the events of Rannoch, like there is no more legion so yeah you get to hang out with him like super super briefly i don't even think I don't think you can take him on missions except for the one, uh, the consensus mission that we talked about last episode. Yeah, that you have to take him on because right. he's your and he's your guide and to the, the wonderful world mission, of servers, obviously. Um, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, but it's it's a shame that he, in many ways, is one of the most fascinating characters. Oh yeah, and in both games, he's like pigeonholed like you only get him for like two missions like technically in the in the in mass effect 2 you can have him for lots and lots of missions if you want like every like everybody on your crew to die which of course you don't so like it's yeah it's a shame i really wish that they had removed from mass effect 2 in in the legendary edition i really wish that they'd remove that timer after the iff it just it just sucks or just a new game plus where the timer is not there anymore because yeah you know. something like that. Well, it would be nice if in the next Mass Effect game, I guess what Mass Effect Five, that and I know we've already they've already teased the Geth immensely in that one image that we've talked about in that one episode, right? Um, but it would be nice if like maybe they actually let you have like a Geth crew member from the beginning, and then you can interact with this person, you know, be it you know some version of Legion or not. Um, but, you know, you can interact with this, you know, th- this being yeah. throughout the course of the game as opposed to, oh, hey, you know, like there, there's Legion. Oh, there goes Legion. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it fits in with the Geth and their sort of their whole deal because they really don't want to hang out with organics. You know, I mean, like culturally, like, that's been like a big push for them. It's like, well, yeah, we don't actually we want to stay away from you. Like we're going to stay in the Percy's Vale. Y'all leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. Uh, and so they're very sort of like ephemeral when when you hang out right. with them. But like, I don't care. I, I want to hang out with Legion more. Like, whatever. Well, yes and no, because I, I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, go, going back to the, the Geth server mission, like, you kind of see, like, they were very interested in the Quarians. And right. the Quarians re- rebuked them. And so they were like, yeah. oh, okay, like, you guys don't want anything to do with us. Well, fine. Like, we won't have anything to do with you. Like, we'll let you go away and we'll take your planet. But it's not because we want your planet or anything. Like, you know, we understand you guys don't like us and we're just going to go off behind the Perseus. Right. Trail. Yeah. So, I mean, because it's like when Shepard, like, that's one of the things, like, one of the memories that Legion has is of, like, the first interaction with Shepard. He's like, Shepard's the first person in, you know, the first organic in centuries that actually like treated the geth with anything approaching a modicum of respect. Right. Yeah. And so once they kind of like, oh, hey, like, you got, you know, like, Organics can be cool. Like, I think 
you know, I mean, even then, you know, to kind of jump ahead a little bit, like, you know, they're, you know, the Geth can be very um, generous with respect to their interaction with the Quarian, depending on how things all go down. And I think, you know, I, I don't think they're necessarily like 100% like, you know, organics bad, you know, I think they're just, you know, so used to getting hit by the organics that they, they're very wary. Very but cautious. I think they want, they want to have that. I mean, ultimately, I think they want to be a part of the, the universe and the galaxy. And that requires opening up relations with the other civilizations, all of which are organic. There's, it's not like, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's also why they were so vulnerable to the Reapers coming in because the Reapers come in and it's like, hey, like here's another civilization we can interact with. We don't have to be isolated. They also happen to be like super robots that we can just kind of like, you know, worship. And, you know, it, it, it leads to bad things. Can't fight that very much. Yeah. It's like, if the first time you do it, or you can't talk to them, they just try to destroy you, and then you try it again, they keep trying to destroy you. Kind of like, well, maybe we shouldn't try this. Just go and do our own thing. Right. And very shocking when one of them comes around like, hey, I'm not going to shoot you immediately. Like, oh, all right. How do I proceed with this? So let's go back to Garrus for a moment, because one other thing I do want to mention is that he starts a little, I guess, like a background subplot. Where and this is actually happens for a few of the characters, but uh, Garrus in particular has his moment um, where he starts talking about his family on Palavin that he hasn't heard from them, and he's starting to get worried about their status. And that's something that every time you go to visit him, you get a little bit of an update as far as what's going on, what's going on. Um, and he's, and again, he's not the only character that's going to have this discussion with Shepard. You know, as as we proceed here, um, you know, I think one of the things that you start to notice as the game gets on is that the Reapers are winning. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it, 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 and it makes sense. I mean, they're such an omnipresent threat, um, you know, at such a higher level. Uh, you, you know, it almost makes you wonder, like, what what hope in hell does Shepard even have? But like, the Reapers are winning, and that's going to start taking its toll, uh, you know, in in ways that you didn't necessarily expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so Garrus is starting to get worried about his family over on Palavin. Um, let's see here, Javik, of course, talks to Tally and pisses her off like he does to everybody because Javik has like no Javik. I don't want to say Javik has no concept of like human relation or, you know, like emotional relations. I think he does completely. He just doesn't care. That's right. Yeah. He's the crotchy old old man, you know? Well, I mean, he's the last of his kind. I think he realizes like, I, I, you know, I left a, a losing war to come back in another losing war like really what was the point uh, yeah i mean he is, is looking through the notes before we started and thinking about it in in a sense javik's character is, is really very tragic um and they they do little bits to kind of have that uh really heavy sense of of loss and and you know despondence come out of him but he's also just an unmitigated asshole like he clearly yes and he's he's blatant about it. he says it right to everybody's face like oh no we're better than you like protheans are better than you you're all lesser i think he literally uses the term lesser races more than once he is he is an inveterate space racist oh yeah. um and that's how he treats people so it it's, makes him hard to hard to like well, there's there's one interaction with him which i can't wait till we get to which is after uh after thessia um, where he 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 like just steals a whole scene, which we'll get to. But, mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, no, but but even but even here though, he, he's the thing is he's one of those guys where it's like maybe he would say he's racist or not, 
but he's like one of those guys. He's like, yeah, but I, I give him, I, I give the other races a fair shake, and you just come out like lesser. Like he thinks his racism is actually like justified. Oh yeah, in a way, because even here, even here, he says like that the Quarians were attractive, but now no one can see it because they lost their planet to the machines. Right, and it's like super classy. It's like yeah, it's like you know, it's like oh, you think he's gonna give you the compliment, but no, then he just slaps you, and it, you're just yeah, come on, Javik. <laughs> yeah, and of, yeah, and of course that pisses off Tally, like. It should. It's okay. Garrus will be there for her on the RB or or Shepard if if that's you know. It's it's always Shepard in my playthrough. Shepard's always <laughs> <good. laughs> poor Garrus. No action in in the current playthrough. Oh, he gets action, just not from just not from Tally. Who does he get action from then? You know, he's got other people like trying to flirt with him. So Doctor Michelle. Oh, that's right. That's right. She, oh, she did send him that poison candy or whatever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus some 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 uh like you get there's some wingman action. He go he goes to some bars, gives some dates during this uh during these times. So yeah, I don't think you you know you're right. I don't think we need to worry about Garrus. Garrus can take care of himself in this department. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, go, going back to Javik for a moment, uh, once as I said, um, you know, still still being an asshole, uh, but he you also get to talk to him about Legion. And he says that Legion should just be thrown right out the airlock. Like he has no tolerance for any sort of AI whatsoever. He's like the Geth are just as bad as the Reapers. And like if they're not a threat at that level now, like if you leave them alone, they'll be come back as like a Reaper level threat. Just get rid of it. Do not tolerate it. Is is that also no good is, can come of this? Is that also a joke for the for the, one of the ways you could just throw Legion out the airlock in the in the second game? Or this one said they wanted you to throw out the airlock. Uh, Jacob wants you to toss him out the airlock when you first pick him up, which is not a thing you can do. I wish it like could. That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. No, there's no opportunity to like jettison Legion uh, in either of these. I don't think like you got to You got to roll with him or, and, or or I guess not Legion, because if you give him the Cerberus in the second game, then the geth you get is, I don't know, some guy, some geth person, guy, whatever. Quote unquote. Oh, you don't get. Legion back, you get a different guess. No, Cerberus takes Legion, and and um, you can run into Legion later in this game, uh, in a Cerberus facility, like modified to attack you. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, well, don't give Legion to Cerberus. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, don't give him the League of Space racist. Right. Mm. And then uh, also one other concern that Javik has is that Edie could sympathize with the Geth. Again, not trusting any kind of AI. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that's on brand for Javik. Um, Edie is kind of a concern in her own right. Sure. That, like, she seems cool and everything seems cool, but it's like, yeah, like I could easily see her getting out of control and becoming a major problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but- I don't think she will in this game, but. That's true, but I think it's just most of anybody can pretty much when they can get out of control and cause problems, especially when they're sentient, they can make their own choices. Yeah, but Edie is the ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about it before. Like, we are in her body. She could genesis at any time. Please respect right. your your ship. They they may get pissy. I think she makes that well, point you know, to you at one point. Like I could just turn off the air. Yeah, like you know, I mean. You know, Shepard has several standoffs with many members of his crew, you know, like, for example, Caden or Ashley. At no point do you have to then be worried about getting into a standoff with the person who has, like, that that giant gun that Garrus is always calibrating. Right. You. Right. Yeah. But, you know, just like with any time, when you're ever in the car, please respect the driver. 
they can get you out of the car one way or the other. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to go to that food place? You better be nice to the driver. They can go past it. And right. So let's move on here. Uh, Real quickly, Diana Allers mentions that some of the human leaders are using weapons on their own people. So it indicates that the human leaders are getting indoctrinated, which we were told was one of the Reaper tactics where they would invite the the leaders onto the ships and then indoctrinate them that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daniels and Donnelly. We find out that Daniels named Canine Sophie. Canine is the little robot dog that you get that hangs out with. um, you can pet. Uh, Vega and Cortez. Yeah, thank you. Wow. Oof. Yeah, on the on the docking bay area. I don't think I've gotten this. I need to go pick this up. It's just like a little DLC reward that's like yeah. packed in. I think it was. I think it was like a pre-order uh, bonus or something like that. In when the game oh. first came out. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those little like you know, like you get like I think the the hoodie uh, casual outfit was also like a pre-order bonus. Um, oh yeah, I, I like that one. Yeah. I mean, I like it so much that I own two of the actual official merch hoodies, which are not cheap, Dude, by the really? way. Thanks, Bioware. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. They're nice, though. Very high quality hoodies. Comfy. I was traveling about a month ago, and I saw somebody with a Mass Effect hat on the plane, and I wanted to like get Ooh. his attention and be like, Dude, I think you have a cool hat. But I was like, I didn't want to be just randomly like, waving at a guy in the airport. Like, Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. yeah. But I was like, I don't if, if you're listening, guy who was at the, I think it was the Philly airport, like back around July 4th. You had a cool hat. <laughs> Sweet hat. Was it like an N7 hat or? Uh, I think so, but it had like this real, it almost looked like, uh, might have been like an internal Bioware hat because it had the Bioware logo on the back. And oh, like, wow. It had like the mesh kind of faded. It, it was really cool. Oh, I mean, it was a baseball cap, but it was really cool. I, was, right. I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, Daniels does get a good dig at Donnelly. She says, I have a soft spot for worthless dogs. Look how long I've been with you. <laughs> Which he... He has way more than that coming. Oh, yeah. I say, like, that's very nice of you to say that. <laughs> He's only a worthless dog. Yeah. And then uh, we then down in uh, engineering, not engineering, uh, down in the, the bay uh, where, where Sophie is, or K-9, uh, Vega and Cortez are bickering about the makeover since the hammerhead. Um, oh, yeah, I and, like this. Uh, this is cute. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, what... Uh, Cortez makes the crack. You would be one to love grizzly bears, Mr. Vega. <laughs> oh, man. That's a really, that is a really good joke. Like, they finally, yes. I don't, I feel like this one snuck past the editors. Because uh, it's it's hilarious and it's very clear innuendo. And it just doesn't, it almost feels like it's too good to be in this game. Sorry, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and Vega, you know, is just like, what's so funny? Like, he... It, if he doesn't get it, and I, like, the impression is he does not get it. He at least knows to play it off like he did not get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, when I first moved up to the Seattle area, I I'm originally from Chicago, and I was looking for uh, bars to watch Bears games in. And so I went online <laughs> looking for Bears bars, and was like, oh well, that's not that. Okay, hmm. I'm gonna have to refine my search a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, and then- one other note about Vega here is that he, uh, I think we mentioned this before, but he calls Tally Sparks. Yeah. He's got a little nickname for everybody. Yeah. And then uh, I think we did talk about this here that uh, Shepard does visit with Tally up in his quarters. Uh, this is where Tally like opens up that she's not doing well and that, you know, she's feeling the stress of being the Admiral. Uh, and then uh, Zen's research is based on her father's experiments and. Uh, yeah, she took the job because what would Shepard do? Like, she's, you know, trying to yeah. live up to Shepard's kind of 
aspirations. That's what most people do. It's like, what would Shepard do? Or what wouldn't Shepard do? Right. Well, yeah. And then Now let's head back over to the Citadel uh, real quickly as we proceed here. Um, so you bring Tally to the Citadel and she gets into an argument with a Turian officer because uh, she's trying to get supplies for the Quarians, but he has none to spare. Uh, and, you know, you get, it's one of those arguments where you as Shepard get to choose who you want to side with. I sided with Tally and you're like, dude, find some, find some supplies somewhere. You can find mm-hmm. something. Uh, let's see here. Uh, a few more missions to turn in. Javik is actually in the embassies. Um, and he s- talks about how he, he imagined the wonders of the Citadel, but the Reapers took it first. So to him, it was just a myth. Uh, and then he's seen by a Hanar and he touches it to communicate. And right. the Hanar just starts crying that it's not worthy. Yeah. Because, as you may recall, like the Hanar, like their whole, that's the Enkindlers. That's their whole religion is based upon worshiping the Prothean. So, well, and, yeah, that, and Javik at one point, I think maybe after this, tells you, like, no, actually, yeah, we did literally interfere with the Hanar. Like those, those quote unquote myths that the Hanar have about the Protheans, they're legit. That would be a really amazing experience for anybody. Just imagined if any of our religious figures just came down like, hey, what's up? Right. You'd be like, what? Oh, shit. I did not it prepare be like for if this. You, if you met a guy and he was like, no, I'm actually Zeus. And you were like, no, you're not. And then he's like, no, for real. And then you, you know, he demonstrated that. And you're like, oh, oh, damn. Okay. And then you'd have to slap him because he's an asshole in so many of his, in so many of the myths. No, I'll let you. I'll let you f with Zeus. I ain't doing that. <laughs> I killed a Titan. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, That's a good point. <laughs> what you don't want to do the persona thing? Just go punch back God. Away. Just back away slowly. Yeah, I'd slap him. I ain't afraid. Just a god. Okay. But <laughs> no, it's. We'll talk about the Protheans and their attempts at encouraging the universe, as it were. They're meddling, um, if you will. Yeah, because that's, I mean, yeah, they, they messed with the hand. Although, I guess the Hanar was probably one of the first races they played with, because, like, they, like, obviously the Hanar don't seem terribly useful, other than Blasto. <laughs> Blasto ain't useful. Blasto ain't useful. Blasto is useful. Uh, I mean, the Hanar, so like, or not the Hanar, she's the Protheans. There's evidence, you know, earlier in the game. I don't know why they never go back to this in this game. That the Protheans mess with humans, too. Like, there's that weird sphere you find uh, on, like, oh, yeah. random well, mass planet in Mass Effect 1 that, that gives you the, the 2001 style flashback. Um, right. And then they, there's the same kind of artifacts. But yeah, I mean, like, the, there's definitely clear lore that says the Protheans. Well, and that, that's why there's Prothean ruins on Mars. It's like that was their observation station for Earth. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it makes sense because they were doing all this 50,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, so it, it, in a geological timescale, it's not that long. No. Yeah. And it also lines uh, up really well with like sort of the fall of Neanderthal and the rise of homo sapiens and all of that so yeah very convenient i think like that they were also working on having a backup plan in case their current their last plan didn't work which didn't work so you know gotta have I think new they just, forces coming i think they just wanted subjugate races honestly like it seemed like they because uh javik talks about the protheans kind of oh, subjugating other races and effectively either like 
integrating them into the Prothean Empire or using them as slave labor or whatever they felt like doing. Yeah. Like, Prothean sounds pretty kind of awful uh, in a lot of ways. So it's very imperialistic. Unless you're Prothean. <laughs> Unless you're Prothean, yeah. But... Yeah, you get to them. I mean, they they had conquered the galaxy. Like there was nothing left for them to go out and beat. And I think, in a way, it makes the Reapers showing up for them all the more of a of a problem because it's like, you know, like we've we've done everything. Like, what more can we do? And then the Reapers just show up and decimate that. And they're like, well, what more could we have done to prepare for this? Right. Well, it's <laughs> like you know how how could we be so infallible and then get destroyed by these giant aliens? Except that they were. I don't. I think that they were periodically at war with synthetics that they had also created. This is Javik's problem with the Geth or and with Edie is like. Right. They, in their cycle, had the same sort of organics v. synthetics war. Um, I Now I don't remember if, if they say they fully put them down or not. It seemed like they were kind of a recurring threat. Yeah, I think that this one, right. they, they saw, like, the people there, they, they took over, like, they tried to create synthetics and they kept rising up, so they just did away right. with synthetics. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the talk about, yeah. Um. Yeah, so then also on the Citadel, uh, we meet up with Miranda again, uh, that uh, she knows about Kai Lang, uh, and that her father took her sister, and her father is working for the Elusive Man. Miranda is hiding from assassins, and she's going off to deal with her father. Which is so, confusing. Yeah. Like, are you hiding, also, or are you going to go fight? Pick one. Well, <laughs> also, you gotta make sure to tell her about Kai Lang, because I think if you don't tell her about him, things do not go very well for Miranda. Yes. You have yeah. to warn her here. Uh, and if you, like, don't talk to her, also bad, which we'll, we'll get to. But, yeah. I am very worried. I assume that I did because it, she mentions that she knows about him. So I assume that yeah. means he came up in the conversation. But, yep. yeah, I read that that little blip there, like, after this thing. And I'm like, did I actually do the right thing here? So, yeah, we'll find out. I think eventually you're good. Whether, I, I think uh, as long as you have this conversation, you're good. But there's, like, uh, three times in this game where you can talk to Miranda uh, and if you miss them, then it's problematic later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a little thread we'll come back to. Mm -hmm. um, now, also at the Spectre Terminal, Spectre Terminal, uh, we get a message that Din Korlak is missing. Uh, if I recall, he's the Vo the Volus, uh, ambassador. Volus ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The really surly and one. He was last seen. Last scene at the suite near the human embassy. He's one of the first aliens that you meet in the game overall. Yep. When you go to the Citadel and you got him and the Elcor guy just standing in the in the room there. Mm -hmm. I guess that's um, true. I didn't think about that. So you get you get into the suite and Korlak has reached out to Cerberus. Uh, you know, he's the, fighting the Alliance must continue to end the war. I guess that's what Cerberus is saying. Um, and Korlak is kind of struggling with it, this because obviously he knows like Cerberus is bad for the citadel right um, but like at the same time you know it's like who's he gonna help so you go to find who abducted him and it's saeed and my saeed. boy he's back <laughs> <sighs> yeah and so yeah so there's a there's a tracking beacon hidden in the suite zaid takes out the thugs once uh korlak names drops shepherd yeah so you go to you go there's Zaid. He's, he's there with a few other thugs you know Corlac says, like, Shepard's coming for me. He's like, oh, Shepard's coming? And he just cleans house on the room. Yup. And then, yeah. And then you show up there, and Zayed's like, okay, like, we'll talk. Because <laughs> like, obviously he has massive respect for Shepard. Even after the way things ended uh, with with uh, Shepard, like, having to, like, slap the crap out of him 
on that one loyalty mission and be like, dude, like get your shit together. Yeah. I was good to oh, see yeah. Zaid again. Yeah. Like I think it, like he was like if I remember correctly, he was offered some other job by servers and he turned him down because he said, Screw these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's the that's the thing is like everybody that you go on the suicide mission with like, you know, obviously they were all willing to work with Cerberus to get into the suicide mission, but then by the end of it, they're like, oh, yeah, Cerberus is terrible. Like, we never right. should have done that. <laughs> and so, like, even, like, Zaid kind of, you know, tangentially works with them at best, but he's ready to, like, he's there only to kind of turn things around on them and make sure they don't actually get a leg up. Yeah, I mean, same thing Zaid's, happened, uh, yeah, good. Zaid's no dummy, say, right? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, we, we're doing terrible at this. But, yeah, Zaid's, like, not an idiot. Like, he's like, all right, well, I would like to live, so I don't think Cerberus is going to further those ends, so I'm not going to work with them. Yeah, absolutely. No. Uh, as I as a uh, Corlax have the same issue, though. For some reason, he's trying to get out of, of, of Cerberus, but they keep... He's basically, like, well, did they help, help his people? And help the other things, and then just kind of get stuck in a losing situation where he can't get out now because he's worked with Cerberus. In too deep. Right. But why, even as a Volus, would you work with Cerberus? Like, their whole thing was that they started out as, like, a pro-humanity group. Like, what possible interest could they have in preserving the Volus if, you know, like, ultimately their only concern is saving humanity? They probably offered him a deal, and he was like, well, something's better than nothing. Yeah. yeah, and I think that you also saw like when they saw Shepard's working with him, like, okay, Shepard's pretty cool. I guess we can trust these guys. I don't think Din ever liked Shepard. Uh, so I don't know. No. I, I, I think my read on this was just that like Cerberus came to him with an offer that seemed, you know, too good to turn down and he took it. And then, you know, after the fact, realized he was in over his head. Because the other thing with, with him is like right at the beginning of Mass Effect 1, he complains a lot about the council and how they only care about the council races and humanity and nobody cares about the Volus. So I think, you know, his his viewpoint is sort of like it's us against the whole galaxy. So wherever he can get something, that's where he's going to get it. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but then uh, I guess uh, Korlak has some information about where Cerberus is going to attack next. And then as she, uh, uh, Shepard, in, in my case, he threatened to have Zaid beat Korlak up and then Korlak was just like, okay, here's the information. Here's where here's where Cerberus is going to attack. And then you get that. And then he actually offers up the services of the Volus bomber fleet. So you get that as a war resource as well. Also on the Citadel, uh, on the docks, James is getting a tattoo. And he does mention, as a follow-up to his conversation with Shepard earlier about possibly joining the N7 program, he does mention that he is going to join the N7 program. And that Shepard will be his training officer unofficially. Mm. <laughs> but. That makes sense, though. I learned from the best. Yeah, assuming everybody survives, I think like a Shepard Vega mentorship, that makes a ton of sense. Oh, I don't yeah. mind seeing that coming out of this. Then you can also meet up with Caden at uh, one of the, I believe it's at one of the restaurants there on the yeah. Citadel. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I think it's and, the same yeah. place or I don't know if it's the same place that. um. Liara's mother is working her, at yes. yeah yeah, uh, yeah okay but he's stressing out he needs to relax you find out that he likes steak sandwiches and Canadian lager <sighs> I mean I like steak sandwiches but I don't know about Canadian yeah. lagers yeah Canadian like, lagers fine I mean I like yeah. I like a nice Labatt <laughs> but apparently he's from Vancouver yeah mm-hmm. he's Canadian I feel like this is just Bioware getting their Canadian shoutouts out. Uh, more than anything else. Also, isn't Vancouver like 
it's it's like a major political hub in the Mass Effect universe. I'm trying, like, yeah, that's that's where you, the Shepard starts the game. Yeah, sorry, yeah it's like, the, that's uh, where like the yeah, headquarters the, the, the of the Alliance, Alliance military, in, right? Yeah, yeah it's in like, Vancouver. Yeah, sure it is. Um, I mean, no offense <laughs> to Vancouver, nice. but just like really, no, stop. It is funny though because Caden's like I'm I'm not the kind of guy who's the life of the party. A lot of friends, and he says some people find my integrity annoying. So it's like he's he's openly calling out a lot of the complaints that what I personally have had about the character. What integrity? But- <laughs> when does he show integrity in this? I'm I'm really being serious. Like he's a horn dog in the first game that just you know talks about you know he's like a walking HR violation. He's no Donnelly, but he he sucks and like. Other than whining at you about joining Cerberus, what integrity does Caden ever display? Well, that's kind of my point, is that he's one of those people that thinks he has integrity. And so he's oh like, oh, God. no, like, I'm always right. I'm always sort of the moral center of the group, and other people hate that. And it's like, you're not. That's no. why we hate you, because you're you're unjustifiably self-righteous. And that's a, that's what's annoying. But from his perspective... That's what he defines as integrity. Fair enough. Fair enough. He stays on the straight and narrow path always, even if sometimes he's not actually on the right path. It just seems like the right path. Right. He killed his instructor. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, I'm not saying that wasn't justified or self-defense or anything like that, but it's like, he doesn't, it's not that he has like a lack of integrity. Like he's not, he just, I don't know. He's just not special in any way. And and yeah, I think you're right, Nick. Like he acts like he thinks he's really special in a way that just never his it never comes across for his character. Like I guess he's a specter, but every time I think about that, I'm just like, but why? Well, it's a little bit of like everybody thinks they're the star of their own movie kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously like Shepard's the star of Mass Effect, but Caden, when Caden sits down to write his, you know, there and back. Uh, you know, book or whatever at some point, he's going to, you know, frame all the events around him. He's going to talk about how he was on Horizon and he got attacked by the bugs. and Oh, and, sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. All, all, all that kind of stuff. He's not going to sit down and realize like, yeah, but Shepard, Shepard's the one that did everything here. Like at yeah. best, at best, you got brought on the missions as, uh, you know, a second to Shepard. Most likely you were just sitting in that one, uh, you know, that one bay on the Normandy. Well, Shepard's off actually dealing with everything. Right. So yeah. that's, uh, most you know, and you can say. write like, oh, I could see from the bay window. I saw what was going on, but it's, you know, but in his mind, like, no, this is, this is the Caden show and it, it's not a good show. It's not getting good ratings. Caden effect. <laughs> pass hard pass i I did write though that based off those comments that he knows that he's white bread he does yeah i mean he has some introspection it just it's kind of like i don't know every time i talk to kate i'm just like shut up just shut up i don't care he's he's about a game maybe a game and a half from actually figuring himself out fair like this is a good conversation that like okay like you're getting some self introspection here but that the, the the phrase my integrity and i'm using air quotes on a podcast as it happens um that phrase shows that he has a little bit more work to do to kind of break down what exactly is going on with him and his relationship to other people and you know and i, I don't i don't think we have enough time between now and the end of mass effect 3 for him to have like a major personality breakthrough and be like hey i'm caden I'm, I'm awesome i'm going to be the life of the party now like but yeah. Again, assuming everybody survives this, assuming he, you know, lives on, you know, maybe in like 10 years, if we check back in on him, 
he might actually have made some progress and kind of like loosened up a little bit and be actually kind of interesting. Right. And yeah, maybe. Is this, the, is this the one time where if you have enough relationship with him, he does try to ask you out regardless yes. of what gender you are? Yeah, that that seemed like where the conversation was going. And I was just like, yeah, like, no, I'm shutting that down immediately. Like, I let you live. That's really all you're going to get from me. <laughs> yeah, this this is his like, you can you can actually like get interested in whatever he's talking about. I think it's I think it's while you're talking about like restaurants or, or you know, his food preferences. And he says something about like maybe sharing a dinner together or some crap like that. Um, and you can be like, oh, yeah, I, I would love to date you, Caden. Um, and I can't like I can't say that without incredulity because why? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where you can. I don't know. Like, people have made videos of this on YouTube. There's probably like one percent of the player base has ever seen this. So go go watch a video. <laughs> don't waste your time. Yeah, I, I like that they made it an option. I was just sad they didn't give uh, Ashley the same option. Yeah. Well. Oh, you mean about- oh, you mean for either gender? Because like you can absolutely yeah. date Ashley again in this game. You can. Yeah. If she's alive. Right. Yeah. Well, no, but but the thing though, I think it makes a little bit more sense for Caden because, like I said, like he's got some self reflection to do here, and I, I think it's clear, like he's even a little bit conf- the fact that you can kind of re- relationship. Uh, not, not to say that he's not. I say, well, I mean, I don't really know. Is he? Is he? I guess canonically, he's bisexual, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, but uh, but I mean, as far as like him acknowledging his own sexuality, I don't think he quite knows that yet because he's very much a horn dog for the ladies as we established like i mean like i him and i'm surprised i'm actually glad there's not like just a section of like him and uh donnelly just hanging out somewhere just talking about all the women on the ship because that would be completely in character for both of them yeah and also like very problematic for bioware but (laughs) yeah i i actually don't like that they retconned him into being bisexual because he's so obviously not bisexual in the first game that it yeah. it sort of it feels cheap like it feels like it was unnecessary and i mean it just feels tacked on in a way that's right. I, I just don't feel like is necessary in in this game but well, the only thing i'll say though is that because he's still doing the self reflection like i could kind of see him like realizing starting to realize some things about himself that he didn't realize that yeah. you know shepherd is such an overpowering male figure in this case that he can't help but be like well okay what, what what's going on here and kind of having to, to work through that um again like not having played through the dialogue tree i don't know how obvious that is but it does seem like again like he you know give give caden 10 years let's come back and see see what he's like he you know assuming he's like i don't want to say going to therapy necessarily um but as long as he's like kind of like investing in himself kind of like understanding himself like self-reflecting right he's he's not the person he's going to be yet. And I think he's starting to realize that maybe. Although I do think we do need the next game. Mass effect health professional. (laughs) (laughs) That should be, that should be whatever the like mobile tie in they do is like, you just take field voicemails from all the different characters and like have to like give them like life advice and like actually (laughs) give them therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about all their daddy issues. No, but but to go back though to Ashley about her not being the uh like a potential love interest, I feel like she's a lot more sorted out in who she is. Oh yeah. That it makes sense like Caden Caden's still like figuring himself out in a way. Ashley, I think, is very secure in who she is. And so it makes sense on some level that she wouldn't suddenly be like, Well, I'm a lesbian, because like she she would have known that about herself. 
back in Mass Effect One, and it it does it's not the kind of thing that crops up. Whereas Caden is very un, undefined in that regard. Like it, it's it's it kind of actually works for him a little bit that he would suddenly start to have these weird feelings. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I could see that too. I just it just in real life, like I get it. It just it feels tacked on for this character but i think it's yes. just it's my extreme disinterest in in caden where i'm just like i just don't like the less of you the better they, they they took a fairly uninteresting character and then they tried to tack something interesting on and it did not make him more interesting it just made him actually kind of more annoying in a way <laughs> i don't know yeah i like caden more i played with him more than i liked He's- originally I will give you that. He is warming up to me a little bit. Not enough to date, but it's like, I don't feel bad that I let him live. He's, you Fair know, enough. Yeah. I'm sorry. Enjoy your, I, I will get a cheesesteak and, and a beer with him, but platonically. Maybe also, watch I, some, I do like cheesesteaks and beer, too. So. Maybe watch some hockey while <laughs> yeah. doing it. Uh, but let's uh, move on here. We do get it officially confirmed that jo- Joker and Edie are hanging out at Purgatory. They are officially together. Uh, so that is an interesting development to watch. Uh, Cortez is also at the bar. He has a drink with Shepard, and you also have a chance to flirt with him. Now, see, that's a natural. I mean, obviously, Cortez was inter- introduced in Mass Effect Three, so it's not like they had anything previously existing to work with. But that's a natural, uh, you know, gay relationship that kind of fits and makes sense. Like Cortez is a perfectly well-established character for Shepard to go with here. Yeah, and they're at the bar. You know, good place to hook up with some people. Um, do we want to talk about this next section now? Because I think this is actually part of the Citadel DLC, but I think I did it early. Oh, did you? I think you did. If if you went to Anderson Suite, that's all Citadel DLC. No, 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 not this. Uh, this is uh, get, meeting up with Garrus and then doing the target shooting. Oh, that's not Citadel. That's normal. That's normal stuff. Oh, yeah. that's just Garrus let me, hanging. Let me get to, oh, cool. Yeah, so you get another option to uh, hang out with Garrus because um, he declines drinking and he's like, let's go take a ride somewhere. And so you go take a ride with Garrus, and he's like, there's something I want to do before I die. And obviously, like, this reminded me a little bit of, uh, if you ever watched Angel, like the second to last episode of Angel, oh. where they're like, okay, we're go- basically, it's like, we're going on like a suicide mission against uh, like the, the big bil- villains of the series. Right. And everybody's like, okay, like Angel's like, okay, take the next 24 hours and just get everything out of your system that you need, because this might go south terribly. And... Yeah, so this is like Garrus's little like, hey, you know what? Like, let's just take a moment and, and chill uh, before you know, like things get really bad. And so you get a shuttle up to the top of the Presidium, and you know you have a nice little dialogue. And I guess if you want to romance Garrus, like, there's a lot of romance here. Um, but it's also just if you're just Garrus is like just a good friend. Like, you Shepard actually has the opportunity to say to Garrus, like, you're a good friend, dude. And uh, and then they do some skeet shooting into traffic as kind of like a pissing contest. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which i thought was just like hilariously dangerous but also like why not <laughs> we all might be dead in a month anyway so yeah. i also saw you did not choose the bro option of the of the choices in this one what's that well in the, in the option the last one you can like uh choose to hit or choose to miss the target oh no i i beat him sorry garris suck it up bud i yeah i thought that was one of those things like if you if you let him win he's like dude you let me win and then he's just gonna be kind of like disappointed in you like no i i, I you know no nope. you as now what no. happens play honorably no nah, he he definitely is like nah i won um i don't know if he knows you know in in his head but no nah, i just like it just it's like i'm carousel and this is my favorite spot on the citadel 
Yeah, he says that. He yeah, does. Oh. yeah that's pretty now, good. now I'm disappointed that I didn't let him win. <laughs> if he says that, then I feel like we all come out winners. Yeah, that's why. I like, I like that 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 line. It's like that's cool. That's cool. So let's. Uh, yeah, so you get a nice little moment with Garrus. It's really a nice little character moment. Um, let's move on here. Uh, after recovering Admiral Chorus uh, from Rannoch, uh we get mail from Dorn's cousin. He was that maintenance guy that died on there. Uh, Captain Navteel Vas Grigolt, uh, kind of talking about him a little bit. Um, Joker tells Edie a joke about a Krogan and a Solarian. Uh, and then Edie breaks down that the joke is racist. And then yes. Joker's like, yeah, but sometimes, you know, like the Krogan and the Solarians both like the joke, though. Like sometimes you need a joke like that to alleviate the pressure, and even, even if it acknowledges stereotypes. And I'm like, mm. like I don't know. I, I get where Joker's coming from, but it's I, I don't know. That that feels like a like a commentary about some racist kind of humor. And I'm like, I don't I, I don't know if that lands properly. I mean, the joke itself is perfectly benign. Yeah, I think sometimes I think sometimes it's okay. It's all about the company you're in, right? Like if you're, you know, there there's context where it's completely fine, and everybody in the room is is there to to have a good time and you're not punching down or anything like that. Right. Like you can make a joke about two different races and, and say some racist crap about both of them. Uh, that, you know, it's just kind of, I mean, I'm not going to attempt to thread that needle, but it can be done. Yeah. Right. It's not an easy thing to do though. So it's like, no, <laughs> no, but it's, uh, I, I think that's the kind of thing where maybe that, I think that the environment for humor in 2022 is, well, or you know, 2021 when this came out is a lot tighter than it was back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. At least on Twitter, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, I will take this time to remind you, everyone, Twitter is not real life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it definitely the sensitivity is also important. Um, like a hundred percent. You can still make offensive jokes that are just offensive to everybody, and that's okay. Like, George Carlin was a master of this, for example. Most people, you're probably not George Carlin. I know I'm not, but somebody can do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. And it is also... delivery, so... Yeah, it is also, like, so in character for Joker to believe that he is George Carlin. Yeah. I mean, his name is Joker. Well, yeah. (laughs) That's that's what he went with. Like, clearly he, he has a a vested interest in, in comedy and humor from a self-identification standpoint. Mm-hmm. Which is which is funny because his name is Joker because he would not make a joke and was too serious in training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of jokes, uh, Edie talks about how she was working with Adams on some shielding and then she jokes that she got distracted and made a mistake and Shepard calls her on it and then she's like, okay, I'll improve my timing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, to follow up on Garrus and his uh, concern about his uh, family, uh, he called his dad. Uh, the Reapers were advancing. His sister is hurt. Uh, he's trying to get out, and then the connection cuts out. Yep. And Garrus makes one of the, the comments, I feel like, that is at the core of this game. He says, I'm glad we could help those Quarians, but I guess not all of them. It's never 100%, is it? And yeah, there's no perfect playthrough in this situation here. No. You can't, you can't save them all as... Uh, Anderson says back at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. It's also like just a just reminder of like the early Mass Effect commercials, like you had to make sacrifices. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
Javik is actually in Edie's AI core, and they're arguing about whether AI is evolved to life or not. And you get to decide who you want to support here, either Javik or Edie. Um, you know, I've of course supported Edie. Javik was disappointed. Javik does not trust Edie. And then he actually brings up an interesting point that he's concerned about the fact that Edie was made to look attractive. And then he think he thinks that Joker should get a mental exam, which we'll put that aside. But it is interesting that not even from a uh not even from like cuz I mean within the game it's like it's not so much that Edie was made to look attractive, that just happens to be the body that she right was, you know was presented with to take. Yeah. Um but it's interesting from BioWare's perspective that Edie was allowed to be made attractive and I think we talked a little bit about this back when Edie first became a crew member. Mhm. Um, mhm. But yeah, so on some level they were aware of what they were doing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Java has an interesting comment that Protheans are good at staring contests with four eyes. I mean, hmm. you would think that like, I mean, the traditional rules of a staring contest are that you got to keep all your eyes open, no blinking. Right. Uh, you can't like, so I would think you would actually be worse. Like the more eyes you have, the more likely it is that you, you know, probably don't want to blink one of them at least. Well, the only thing I can think is that maybe if you're staring at a Prothean, like if you've got two eyes and you're staring at some of the four eyes, like your eyes might just move to the other set of eyes. And like doing that enough will make you blink. Blink involved. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird one. I like, I guess it, uh, mm, need to ask the Batarians how they do the staring contest. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Get a, get a Prothean and a, and a, a, a Batarian in a room together. And then, the uh, fellow Diana eyes. Allers. What was that? So the fellow four eyes. Exactly. Javik would fit in better with the Batarians, I feel like. like they also have a very um, like militaristic kind of hierarchical culture. They do, yeah. That I, I feel like they, you know, they're like the Protheans if the Protheans couldn't actually get any traction. Mm. Because they're all about enslaving other races. And like, huh. yeah, they feel like the spiritual successors of the Protheans in some ways. You know, except I, actually, for the fact I that hadn't thought just, about that. Maybe if they'd start early. I think the Protheans like had a head start over everybody else. But what if the Batarians had a head start over the Asari and all of them? Would things have gone a very similar timeline? Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, when we, yeah, there's a point when I'm going to want to talk about like how things could have gone differently. But yeah, um, you're not wrong. Um, so uh, uh, Diana Allers, uh, she mentions the Eden Prime is about to fall. Just I, poor Eden Prime. Yeah. It's been tortured enough. Right. right. Exactly. Um. And then Donnelly is drooling. Uh, he he has another one of his conversations with Daniels about how uh, Daniels helped Edie repair herself after the last mission. No, Donnelly. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, so it's like, what the heck is wrong with you, bro? He is he is consistent in his one note nature. Oh yeah, I'll give him that. And then Cortez mentions to blow stuff up with the shuttle and Vega mocks him a little and Cortez gives it right back. I do like the Cortez Vega relationship. I do too. Yeah. The, the, the two of them have some, a nice rapport and I mean, especially it's good for Vega to, you know, to see that he's getting along with other people. I mean, Cortez too, he's been through some trauma, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's good to see the two of them getting along down there. It's not, you know, there's plenty of other people on the ship where Shepard's got pretty much anybody in Javik where Shepard's got to be like, okay, like let's keep you guys a little bit separated. Yeah. <laughs> it's also nice to see them actually also have relationships outside of just Shepard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's, well, it's got two different characters kind of in a specific sh- section of the ship interacting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we talked about like, like uh, Javik and Vega, like, uh, or no, actually maybe we'll talk about that in a moment here. Um, 
but uh you know the, the, you know like different things i think we talked about garrison vega like the two of them going back and forth i mean they you know you know there's, there's some nice moments like that but also vega and cortez are like right near each other i mean that's the original one of the original problems with the first mass effect is everybody's down in that bay and they don't talk to each other mm-hmm. like they're all just standing there like five feet from each other and there's like no sense of interaction with any of them yeah it's like they like they're there it's like why don't you go over there and say hi why don't you go and just have some plans do some farting you know yeah it's um, one thing that was improving over this one over the over everyone and stuff just a little bit of the relationship with each other it's like oh annoyed back with like a large party but nobody seems to talk to anybody but me and it's like we have other people. You all need to have some kind of relationship. Yeah. Well, you know, that kind of goes to Mass Effect 2, where the crew was so massive. Mm-hmm. And, like, clicks within the crew. Like, mm-hmm. it should have been like, oh, like, I'm going down into, a, like, a given room or whatever. And, like, oh, here's, like, Zaid and Jack and, uh, I don't know, um, maybe Morden for whatever reason. Like, the three of them just kind of, like, you know, you, you, you would see little... Like groups come together, it, it, I think one of the things that I feel like we we missed out on maybe, like when you've got a party that large, like one of the things I like Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. to go way back, but like at the end of the game, like you kind of got to pick like different squads as far as where they all stood or whatever for that final fight, and then like everybody kind of got to play a role. It, it it didn't feel I don't think it was executed perfectly, but at least made everybody feel relevant at the end there, and. I think like Mass Effect 2 could have served with something like that where it's like, okay, you've got, you know, assuming you didn't lose too many people along the way, but you've got a full squad of, you know, 12 people, even if you know got whittled down to say six, um, it would have been nice to be like, okay, at least let me, you know, have another group doing something. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, there's so many people that you interact with here. Uh, you know, they, they make a lot of progress on that front um, as far, you know, as far as like the cross interaction between the groups. But uh, I feel like there's still more room to go there. Absolutely. And then now let's move on to after the Geth server mission. Uh, so this is actually about where we are now. Uh, that Shepard comes. Zen, Admiral Zen and Tally are having an argument about uh, whether they should use the ships to recover some salvage ships, whether they should be doing salvage or they could actually recover some of the life pods that were ejected. I, um, how is this I an argument? Yeah, save the people. What are you doing? Well, Zen's argument is that the salvage could be, you know, give them yeah. some extra technological benefits as far as being able to actually fight the Reapers. But I mean, well, that's, yeah, you need people to yeah. shoot those guns. Right. Like, at uh, some uh, point, uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's more like we can always get more salvage. The people kind of, once they're jettisoned and don't get make it, they're dead forever. It, there is no bringing them back. Right. Yeah. yeah right. The detritus will still be there later. I get that like time is of the essence and you're you're fighting the geth which again you just shouldn't have been doing in the first place. Yeah. Right. Well Zen also seems like one of the warhawks in this case and so it's like to her like Oh yeah. There's you're not really saying like you shouldn't have been doing this anyway it's not going to She's falling on deaf ears. She's one of the admirals that voted for this cuz the admirals like basically like an up and down vote on whether we're going to I think it was like 3-2 and uh it was Tally and, and I think Han Garrel, who were like, no, no, this is a terrible idea. And uh, Zen just wants to play with her toys. Like, she even basically says that to you at one point in the war room. She's like, I have, I have like, cool technology to try against the Geth. And, like, yeah. Very in character for her, but, you know, screw her. She still yeah. sucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible leader. I mean, good military leader, yes. I guess, but, yeah. 
leaving them more of a good scientist, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then uh, speaking of the other admirals, Shalaran, um, she actually mentions that the data you forwarded about the Geth was disturbing and it does not match the stories we're taught. And this is fascinating because now we've got the other side of how that conflict went down mm-hmm. and everything that the Quarian believe, like this is going to rock their world. So for her to be like, yeah, like disturbing is putting it mildly. It's literally like your entire civilization at this point, as much as it's a nomadic flotilla based civilization um not, not to say that it was based on a lie but it was it was all written by the wrong people right it completely ignored an entire sense of perspective and you know as we even pointed out like the, there were quarians that supported the geth and they all got wiped out yeah so they're not telling their kids like oh no the geth are actually kind of cool like there's no uh, at least you know maybe there is like a little bit of a you know like an, a, a, a resistance kind of you know like passed on but it, it's not large enough that, you know, it's not going to be like an admiral that high up is going to have any kind of empathy towards the Geth. That is all that, that's going to be like at the, at the margins of the civilization. Yeah. And even then, it's going to be hard for that to maintain because, you know, why are we stuck living in this ship in this bio suit? Blame it on the robots. It makes, yeah. you know, it makes sense for them to feel yeah, that way. It's a, it's a very normal thing in history. A lot of things get rewritten, especially with after, after like several hundreds of years, even just like a couple of decades, things get kind of just misremembered or just kind of like uh written a bit differently than actually how it happened i know like in our history we have the dark ages that weren't that dark it just someone really wanted to glorify the roman times so that that area was great when it was not as good as they're saying right well it's kind of like the same thing with the protheans like Javik is like, yeah, Prothean civilization was awesome. And everybody has to be like, um, you're not at all considering like the other people that you interacted with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Probably a lot of people during that time frame did not like the Protheans. Just no. didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> right. So uh you have a chance to talk to Legion. Uh, he mentions that he has integrated some of the liberated Geth and that Shepard's actions caused them to change their perspective on organics and offer gratitude. So that, I think, the evolution of Geth, the Geth here, and especially the evolution of the Geth relationship with organics is a huge point, um, you know, that, that needs to, you know, can't be underscored here. Um, that they're, you know, that they're coming along as far as being willing to work with the rest of civilization at this point, really. Um, and even then, uh, trainer mentions that she's getting information from the allied Geth primes, uh, that they're relating any da- data that they have on any hostiles. And so she's like, I wasn't expecting to have to interface like the Normandy's computers with the Geth, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you actually get an email from the Geth that there are more Geth on Rannoch and they're waiting for the Quarian hostilities to stop before they can help. So Shepard's going to have that in the back of his mind as we go on. And then Joker has a good question for Shepard. He asked Shepard, like, so how did you get out of the Geth consensus? And he's like, what if this, everything you're seeing now, mm-hmm. is a simulation? And it's like, hmm, that is a good question for Shepard. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to tell. All your senses are taken over. Why would you know what's anything's different? Yeah. How do you know you wake up in the morning and you're not just continuing some part of a complex dream? Mm-hmm. Or even then, how do you not know you're the Normandy and Joker and everybody is just being rendered on some machine sitting somewhere under my desk. And how do we Indeed. know that we're still not in, in the space of, Nor- of Mass Effect 2 just slowly dying and everything we've played so far has just been a very long death sequence. 
Yeah. It's actually goes back to Mass Effect 1. This is all actually the 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 visions that uh, Jenkins is having as he's dying. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh god. What a turn that would be. Uh, <laughs> Game ends and all of a sudden you like Jenkins wakes up on an operating table with the paddles over him like oh, I had the craziest dream. Find out Shepard actually died protecting him. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> They got to play the entire series over as Jenkins. <laughs> so there's one interaction that confused me a little bit. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of a noteworthy one here. It's, it's uh shepherd talking to Edie after coming out of the consensus. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and play the interaction here for a moment. So let's listen to that. Commander. Shepard, you are now possibly the only living organic who has experienced the get consensus. Do you feel different? It was fascinating. Mind-blowing. And I'm also a bit thirsty. And just like that, the magic is gone. Did you just say what I think you said? No. Yeah, so... Was Edie hitting on Shepard? Like, what was the... I'm very confused by this. Like, she was just trying to be funny again, right? Yeah. Like, because even Shepard's kind of a little... You know, Shepard's just kind of like, what? Like... I don't really mm. get the interaction, but it's like, I think she's just trying to take, tell a joke, just trying to be kind of funny, but still hasn't really figured out how the delivery of jokes. Yeah. Like, I never took this as flirtatious, but now I'm kind of looking at it. And I guess from her perspective, it is interesting for to be interacting with an organic who melded minds with a computer. Um, but I, I don't, I think it's meant, I think she's just trying to be funny. And yeah, like, like you said, Carter, she's just like not good at joke yet. Still working on the timing. Because, yeah, I, I guess it really hinges on, like, what does she mean by, like, the magic is gone? Like, is, is like what magic? Like, I mean, she, I guess she was just impressed by Shepard. Yeah. I'll, I'll give her that. I think so. Uh, but and and then Shepard had, Shepherd. like, nothing of substance to say. Because she, she asked him this, like, deep question. Like, wow, that that's incredible. You know, what what was it like? Um, do you have any observations? And Shepard's just kind of like, that was pretty interesting and also, I'm kind of thirsty. Like, yeah. Well, well, it's interesting from her perspective because, I mean, she's kind of in the opposite position of being an inorganic in an organic world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's trying to build these relationships and even then, you know, build a relationship with Joker and to turn around and then see like, oh, like here's an organic that came into our world. Like, how do they feel about that? Like how, you know, like, you know, like what are they going to tell me? Because that that'll help me understand if this is how they perceive what I can understand. Then that'll help me relate to what I'm seeing from you know of their world kind of thing. And Shepard's just kind of like, yeah, it was awesome, but th- yeah. And then he kind of is a little dismissive. And I think like it could maybe if anything, it's like Shepard's ego here because it's like and she's like and just like that, the magic is gone. Like yeah, like Shepard's not as fascinating to her anymore because he's being doofy Shepard, right? And he's like, wait, did I did, like? And I think Shepard's like, were you just hitting on me? And Edie's like, no. <laughs> although to be fair well on the one hand i mean shepherd literally has his like pick of pretty much like what half the crew so probably more than for shepherd to like think like Edie could be hitting on me because like pretty much everybody else on the ship is so yeah it's a little disrespectful joker's like right behind him when he's having this conversation like you know you could talk about this maybe a little bit away from him but i don't know it just it just struck me as odd Maybe Joker wants it once in on the action. <laughs> Male Shepard, I think yeah, I could see Joker 
being wanting that. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then there's an interaction that I mentioned earlier between James and Jav, where James is trying to relate to Jav, and he's like, yeah, he's like, so what do you guys do to, like, cool down? And he's like, do you, do you smoke? Do you gamble? Do you drink? And Javik's like, no, we, we don't do any of that stuff. We're boring. And then, and then Javik tries to tell James a joke that makes no sense. But James laughs politely, and then Javik is like, ha, I just made that up now. That's not a joke at all. You'll laugh at anything, you idiot. <laughs> it's pretty, that's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> like, and, and yeah, like, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, James, like, walked in some conversation, and Javik is just like, I want, I don't really care to relate to you or anything. I and mean, Javik actually says, this cycle does not understand me, and I do not care. Yeah. Um. But the other fascinating thing there, or not fascinating, but I just like this, uh, is that James is making huevos rancheros. I think he said it's his grandmother's recipe. And uh, he doesn't know what eggs they are, but yum. And I'm just like, my wife makes great huevos rancheros. So I'm right there with James. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's have some huevos rancheros. I actually don't know what a huevo ranchero is. It's like an egg dish with uh, like meat and peppers. and stuff. It's really good. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like a nice. I mean, it uh, sounds delicious. I just don't know what it was. I'll, I'll send you a recipe. Anytime you go to like a good if you're ever at like a mexican place you want to grab breakfast or something oh yeah get, get you oh, some yeah. cuevas rancheras oh god so good i'll to remember yes. that also i do also want to know what kind of eggs he's using just because like i don't know i, was I think he eggs. wants to know maybe, maybe he doesn't want to know <laughs> space eggs what's the space then, yeah, chicken? this is where get exactly this is where garris has his conversation with legion about the uh calibrations legion and liara have a discussion uh that how the geth don't know any more about the protheans than the organics do and then legion points out that they call everyone on the normandy normandy mm -hmm. and liara's like you mean the normandy's crew and legion's like we do not see a distinction which makes sense because we call the geth like we look at the shell and the legion's like no there's like thousands of geth inside of me but we just acknowledge the shell so it's like the Normandy is the shell for the crew. And we've kind of even talked about this distinction with the Reapers a little bit, as far as the people be, you know, when, when everybody's like walking around on the Reaper that they're fitting on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that completely fits in with like all the, the kind of like AI philosophy that we're encountering here that they would just like, no, the Normandy is the vessel and everybody inside of it is just part of that. Like there's no distinction between you. Hmm. Yeah. Like, like all a, the like, individual yeah. programs are Legion. Like, yeah. And then let's let's go ahead and wrap Donnelly coming in with the save. Mm, thanks, Just bud. being that team player here. Asking if because he talks about Samara and Matriarch uh, Benizia. Oh my god. And he's like they keep growing as they get older, right? Because they, they're all very ample and Daniels is just like, I'm I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. I didn't even, I've never even considered that. I was just kind of like, um, I guess so. Um, sure. I, I guess we're talking I, about like, treating like their, like their ears and feet that always keep growing. I'm going to say we've got a small sample size on this that we really can't make any distinction. I actually yeah. think oh. it is part of the lore. Uh, like the way Asari bodies develop, like when they go into the matriarch stage is they out for lack of a better way to put it um i don't i don't think it's just perpetual i think this is just donnelly being like 
the conduit for the horniest part of the Mass Effect fan base to to just sort of voice their thoughts. Yeah, I guess it's fair. I just I played this game for many years. I've just never thought about this or even cared. I'm like, all right, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Some people really like booze. I don't know, man. It's 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 done. Yeah. At this point, I put him into the airlock and jet him off the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the best for the ship, anyways. I mean, if you don't want to settle like out of court for an undisclosed but large sum at some point, (laughs) yeah, you might need to do that. And the Normandy's and the Normandy has settled out of court before several undisclosed dollars. Oh, right. I mean, I guess to his well, but you know, this is one of those situations though where it's like, well, at least he's only down in engineering, and right now it's just him and Adams and, and Daniels, and he and Daniels, and Tally. like, well, she's not there she's yet. She's not there yet. Fair, okay. She's not there yet. Like, no, no. When Tally shows up, that's when it becomes an HR violation because, like, Adams, I can like Adams, I can see him just like I think he's already just kind of looking the other way. He's like, they, they yeah. do their their work. I'm not going to get involved. Daniels and clearly has a pre existing relationship with Donnelly that she on some level is okay with this. Um, and we'll actually get to yeah. their resolution. But that doesn't at some really point. make it right, still. Oh no, it does not. Nah, it does that's not. Still, like, HR the, violation. Adams, at at a minimum. Well, the problem is we know there's no HR. Like that's fair. there's no HR admin on the ship because we would have met them. That's fair. <laughs> we would know just, who that we've was. Abolished HR I, in the future. <laughs> right. I, I'm not. I've never served in the military, so maybe I'm. I, this just feels like the kind of talk that like in actual military like now or even in 2012 like your co would be like cut the chatter like shut up like even even i don't even care if they're offended by it one way or another but just like not yeah. on the job like you want to have these conversations go do it off duty but you're here working right now like stop talking about boobs and butts buddy and get Get to it. So what you're saying is, we, no matter which side you are, Paragon or Renegade or Middle, Shepard is ineffective at HR relationships. Oh, oh well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How, how many disputes has he solved down, I'm, I'm down saying, the barrel of a gun? I'm saying for Adams, right? Like, Adams is their CEO, and I feel like at some right. point he would have just stepped in and been like, you know, Donnelly, shut up. Or at least shut up and get back to work. I'm over it. Right, or for to complain up to Shepard or somebody. I just don't see any kind of uh, action. No. Maybe that's it. Maybe he he sent Shepard an email. Shepard just never got around to reading it, and that's that. (laughs) It's in the spam folder. (laughs) God. Uh, All right. Yeah, so 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 that's Donnelly. That's where he is. We're going to wrap it up there. We'll get to the Reaper base next time. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. We keep pushing that off, but no, I mean, literally, there's nothing else for us between that and now. So we'll get to the Reaper base next time. There's a lot to talk about there, including Legion's fate, as we mentioned. Yeah. Um, So that's a big mission. Uh, So we will get to that. Uh, So thank you to Jarrett for producing and editing, and thank you for downloading and listening. We are at SquadGoalsN7 on Twitter, also at the MASH Network. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MASHTHOSEBUTTONS. Also YouTube at YouTube.com slash MASHTHOSEBUTTONS. Chip, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on various social media. My handle is at WD. That's where double Y-E-W-D-E-E. Not very active right now, kind of taking a break, but... Uh, if you just can't get enough of me, you can also find me here on the MASH Network on Wondrous Tales, where uh, I, along with my co-host, talk about Final Fantasy XIV every, uh, every other week. Kuro, where can folks find you? 
You can follow me on Twitter at Kurabaras, K-U-R-A-B-A-R-S, or on twitch.tv slash Kurabara. And then you can also find me on uh, various shows on the network, including Dropping Spicy, where we talk about Apex Legends and all the fun stuff we do there. And also our different community events and stuff. So, you know, come there. Come hang out with us. Talk about Apex. Maybe get some games in. What about you, Nick? And I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on the Mash Those Buttons Network on WoW Talk, talking about Warcraft news and guild management, and also over on the Torn and the Goblin, talking about Warcraft story and lore. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at mash.gg Discord and email us your thoughts or questions. Let us know what you think about Donnelly. <laughs> See if you can mount a defense for him. I'm usually very good about defending people here, but Donnelly is really grating on me at this point. So, mm. um, yeah. I have to say, I need to make like a, a chart of like who's up and down. It's like, I feel like at one point, like Caden was like the most annoying oh, character. Yeah. I think b- before that, maybe it was Werner for a little bit. And then Werner went the complete other way. And then Caden's dropped down a little bit. And now Donnelly is just the character that I'm just, is just so tedious. We should, that I'm tired of. We should really just do a tier list at the end of this. I mean, people love tier lists for whatever reason. That's true. You know, that's true. I would be on board for that. The Mass Effect tier list. Who's yeah. the best yes. squad mate? Who's S tier? Who's trash tier? <laughs> not even squad mates because we're just talking like general crew, crew members yeah. or just people in the. I li- in oh, the I like oh, we should, we should do Mass Effect characters. That's even better. We got lots of choices. Yeah. I like it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll I'll, I'll put all the uh, the female uh, sorry matriarchs up high because they got all the big boobs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I quit uh, the show. All right. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so email us your thoughts or questions at squadgoals at mesh.gg. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share and rate it if you can. And visit mtv.gg slash support to see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts, including on Patreon, where you can support this show by joining Squad Goals membership at $1.25 per episode. Or you can provide general support for $2 a month. And you can check out our Humble Bundle affiliate link where you can get codes for Steam, Epic Games Store, you play and more. Or check out our PayPal one-time donation link over at mtv.gg slash support. And stay tuned to hear about other shows on the Mesh Those Buttons Network. For Chip and Kura, I'm Nick, and I should go. Hey, Commander. <laughs> this is uh, my favorite podcast on the network. Don't tell Dropping Spicy. They might get jealous. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord.